0: Today we uh, conclude our our series on the E word, uh, evangelism. Of course, sharing your faith, witnessing. And uh, again, for many reasons, <clears throat> some Christians almost never share their faith. Uh, some people are so uncomfortable with evangelism that they 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 refer to to it as the E word. They don't want to say anything else about it, and, and you know, so. What we've been looking at in this series, when we've been talking about, it, is how to share faith, and uh, share faith in a way, and hopefully in talking in a way about this that didn't bring too much uh, discomfort or guilt in your life. Hopefully more empowerment, more encouragement, uh, a challenge for you to consider uh, what this looks like in your life. And hopefully by now you're realizing that evangelism doesn't need to be just the E word in your life anymore, I'm getting beyond that. Uh, We're in the second part, part two, we had to continue what we were talking about last Sunday, and last Sunday we looked at uh, three styles of of, uh, evangelism and sharing your faith, three approaches, and uh, one of them was the intellectual style, Uh, we saw that through Paul in Acts chapter 17, and uh, where he visited the Athenians there, and he pointed to the a place where they acknowledged the unknown God because they worshiped all these other gods. They want to make sure they didn't leave any God out. So they had a, a monument there for the unknown God. And Paul looked at that and he pointed and he said, now let me tell you who this unknown God is that you don't know about. And from there on, he, he shared with them. And he, he used a lot of um, reasoning and he brought people uh, around to realizing their need for a savior. And so he kind of exemplified the intellectual style, what is uh, needed for that. And then we looked also to at another style called the confrontational style or the direct approach. (laughs) Uh, We see this in Peter, and you probably think, oh, yeah, we sure do. But in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon those who were there present in that gathering, and uh, they started speaking in tongues, and, and it was very evident. People around them started to hear their own native language. they like, what's going on? And so Peter had to calm everyone down, and then he began uh, the, pretty much the very first sermon to people. And in that, when he did that, he was very direct. He was very uh, confrontational in a way. But uh, he finally got, gets to the point, he says, you killed Jesus. You're the ones who did this. And so everyone was like, whoa, what should we do then? And, and he said, well, repent, of course, <laughs> and, and be saved. And so very direct, very matter of fact, and uh, Peter pretty much exemplified that direct style. Some people need that. They need to hear it. Uh, shoot it to me straight. Don't don't beat around the bush. Give it to me. What do, what do I need to do? And Peter would do that. And then we looked at a third style, the testimonial style, and... Uh, looked in John chapter 9 with the man born blind, and uh, the great news about all this is that he didn't know much about Jesus. All he knew is that uh, Jesus healed him. In fact, when, when the Pharisees and Sadducees came back to them, he said, hey, quit talking about this. Quit saying that Jesus gets all this credit. Just glorify God. Give God credit on this, not this Jesus person who, who might be a follower of, of the devil. And... and uh, And this man born blind, he said, you know what? I don't know this Jesus very much, but you know, all I do know is that I was blind. Now I see. That's all I know. And so the testimonial style was given. Uh, We don't need to know much about Jesus, really. Just know what Jesus did for you. That's, That's good news for a lot of us because... If you think you need to have all the theological terms and and definitions ready to go, you really don't. You just need to be the living example of what God has done in your life, a testimony about what God has done, a living testimony. So we looked at that, and of course we heard from Bree, our our daughter, uh, and she gave a, a testimony about how God is working in her life as well. Today, though, we're going to continue on at our look here of the styles of evangelism. We're going to look at three more to wrap things up here and the series up of the E-Word. And, uh, and as you see in the bulletin, it's, it's my fault. I didn't tell Stephanie about this, but uh, we're not looking at Acts chapter 17. We did that last Sunday. Uh, we're going to be looking at various portions of Scripture this Sunday. So if you're already there, I guess that's great. You can be reviewing that from last Sunday, but um, yeah, we'll be looking all around at different ones. So uh, we look at the next style, it's called the relational style, the relational style. Now, Scripture tells us in <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, uh, Paul's talking here and he's addressing the, the church at Corinth and he's saying, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak, and he says, I have become all things to all people so so that by all possible means i might save some now paul gives us several important principles for ministry and as you see in this portion of scripture this verse in 1 corinthians chapter 9 verse 22 he was one that uh, would would be an example of this he 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 falls into this um, relational style as well, too. And as you see it in this, this verse here, basically find some common ground. Find some common ground with those you connect with, those you contact. We talked a little bit about this in Mike's Sunday school class uh, this morning about f- uh, uh, friendship evangelism, um, coming alongside someone and being a friend to them for a while and, and earning that right to speak to them about spiritual things. So in that you find some common ground with those you connect with and contact with. Uh, Don't just come over and say hi. You want to know about Jesus? (laughs) That's kind of a you know awkward way. You come into just enjoy the friendship and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of orchestrate what needs to happen. Avoid also to avoid a know-it-all kind of attitude when you when you're in a friendship like that. No one likes a (laughs) know-it-all. You know, they like someone who comes alongside them and say, "Wow, I I didn't know that fully. Uh, I let's figure this out a little bit more and and you guys journey together." And that's kind of the, the 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 way of of the relational style. But you make others feel accepted, no matter where they're at, and that's a key thing for today because there's people all over the spectrum. If you go out there and. And walk uh, downtown Portland. You're going to get a lot of the colors of downtown Portland, and who people are. And so, if you come off on a uh, prejudiced type of uh, uh, view, or or people feel that you're already got you know things against them before they even come up and and you talk, you're not going to get very far with anything, let alone a friendship. <laughs> And so when you've let people, f- help them feel accepted, help them feel that you're not condemning them for, for you know, face tattoos or, or a big old gigantic uh, piercing around their forehead, or what, I don't know, whatever, something extreme, you don't then come across as, as thinking, well, I'm, you're never going to learn anything about God because of the way you look. We need to get beyond that. Help people feel accepted. <laughs> Help them feel accepted, get along. Now, it doesn't mean that you condone where they're at. No, but you don't tell them and say, well, I love you, but you know what? I don't love what you're doing. Get to know them. Get to enjoy the friendship that you can uh, come together with. Make others feel accepted. Be sensitive to their needs and concerns. That, that, that means listening. You need to be listening uh, to others. Now there's probably a lot of things you might want to say and be ready to say it because you you want to present the gospel and you want to share your faith and you want to witness to them. Be on 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 alert for the Holy Spirit's promptings in that because you know you can get a little ahead, a little further ahead than what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Sometimes you can be a Peter, getting ahead of God too many steps ahead, and uh, as Jesus was trying to uh, you know, wrangle in Peter a number of times. Uh, don't get so far ahead of God that uh, He's got to wrangle you in all the time. Be in step with the Spirit and step with where he, the Holy Spirit's guiding you, leading you, and the timing of it. This is another thing we talked about in Mike's Sunday School class is the timing in uh, friendship evangelism. It, it's not going to happen in your time frame, it's going to happen in God's time frame. You just need to be patient, you need to just continue being a friend. And you know what? The thing is, is is that the friendship should be somewhat a priority. Don't use the friendship to be able to be sharing your faith. Um, There's a sense of that sometimes that happens. And when that happens, your friendship just doesn't feel real then. And so you got to be careful with that type of thing. Be a friend. Befriend them and and get to know them and all that. And the Holy Spirit's going to bring you opportunities to share your faith in those situations. So look for opportunities then to tell them about Christ and be sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit's leading in that. So these these kind of principles here we find in in, in what Paul says how he has become all things to all people so that all, by all possible means he might save some. Now a great biblical example in it, you know in scripture is found in Luke chapter 5 and if you want to turn there you sure can. Uh, Luke chapter 5 A great example of this relational style, verses 27 through 29. It's a style that is conversational. Uh, Matthew, the the tax collector, finds new life in following Jesus and invites his friends to a party where they all can kind of hang out with Jesus. And so Matthew invites them all together to do this, kind of a banquet. In verse 27 of Luke chapter 5, says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, Levi, again, of course, we know as Matthew. And uh, this story of the calling of Matthew is a great example of this, this uh Uh, this type of approach. Jesus sees Levi there in Matthew in his tax collecting booth. He calls him saying, follow me. And Matthew says, Matthew goes ahead and follows him. And then he invites others, a number of people, people he knows, other tax collectors. And that's the thing. You're going to invite people that you know, that you associate with, that you connect with, that you have something in common with. You're not going to exactly or necessarily invite someone out of the blue to come on over, although you can, but that might be a little, you know, kind of weird and awkward if uh, they don't know you. So as you bring people together and bring them to Jesus, invite them there, you you have a connection with them. You have something in common with them. Matthew had that in common with these people. They were tax collectors, and other people were there as well, too, coming along, and they were eating. What a great opportunity. That's why... And we miss it. But that's why we've had uh, uh, once a month, we'd have fellowship meals. downstairs after after church, people would come and share a meal, and we'd go down down there and 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 do that and downstairs and and have fellowship, talk. and great opportunity just to get to know what's going on in each other's lives and how to pray for one another. and And just a good time of fellowship. I miss that <laughs> quite a bit. And I look forward to the opportunity we'd be able to do that within, of course, safety and, and, and within the restrictions as well that uh, we have. But, but I, I hope we can get back to that sometime because that you know, a meal is always a great time to come around and, and be able to talk and do that. That's one thing we missed at Multnomah because we had to uh, do Multnomah without any meals provided. And the comment that was made when we were trying to plan that, the comment that was made among the leadership is that it's too bad we can't have those meals because, man, that's, that's one of the best times to be able to come along together and talk and share uh, life with each other. And I said, yeah, <laughs> we're going to miss it, but, you know, God's going to provide some way to be able to do something like that. But meals bring us together. They help us come together and talk and, and share life and so this was happening here too. Banquet and a large crowd, tax collectors and others there um, were, were having dinner and, and Jesus was there. And so Matthew went ahead and, and he uh, brought them in. And, and in this way and being able to uh, help them uh, come along and catch a little glimpse of, of Jesus. But uh, this approach places a high value on building relationships and I think regardless, we should place a high value on building relationships because who knows how God is going to use you in a person's life, your neighbor, your co-worker, uh, whatever it might be. But it requires commitment of time because relationships take time. They take energy. Some relationships are a little messier than others, and you need to stick to it. Stay in there. Be the hope for that person. Help them see the hope that's in you and lead them through to uh, Maybe seeing how Jesus, what Jesus has done for you, and what Jesus can do for them as well. But uh, there are all kinds of areas where this approach is very effective. Like I said, at work, um, at home as well too. If you're if you if you're athletic, and you, you part of sports and you do things like that. You can join a club and and uh, soccer or whatever it might be, pickleball or <laughs> whatever, and uh, and and have that as an avenue. But. The friendships developed there, though, are are very fertile places for evangelism because then that person finally, you know, you have that trust and and you earn that that right to be able to speak into their lives spiritually. And, And much has been written about lifestyle evangelism and how to open your life to those around you. There's a book called The Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman where he proposes that asking questions is the primary means to share the gospel. Asking questions. And, and, and usually the questions start off like, tell me about, and then, you know, have them tell you about whatever it is that you're asking the question about. But it helps lead you into those discussions and facilitates that. But it's just like Jesus he used the rabbinic method that uh, of, of question, asking questions to those who are following him, and that's how he taught them. Philip's method as well, too, with the Ethiopian, you know, came up alongside and said, "Do you understand what you're reading there?" And no, I don't. It's okay. Hey, well, let me tell you. And so, questions. It, it's a good process, but the caution in all this is that you, you don't don't value friendship over truth-telling. Don't value friendship over truth-telling. You're going to come to a point where if that person does not follow Jesus, you are, you're still connecting, you've you've been patient, you've been continuing to develop that friendship, but you now come to a point where where God is going, you need to really let them know that Jesus is the one who needs to come to their life. You need to actually say something. But then you think, oh, but I might lose that friend. I might lose that relationship if I speak about Jesus. And, and so we need to be careful, not to value the friendship over the, the, the opportunity to be able to share your faith, that person thinking that you might lose that, that friendship. But generally a person that, that loves this style of, uh, of approach of evangelism involves a person with a warm personality, a person that, you know, they've never met a stranger. <laughs> They always come up to somebody, and they always are able to talk with them and and, uh, chat. The style is, again, very conversational, and the method is friendship-oriented. Some of you probably think that this is a wonderful approach. I like this approach. I I think this is something I can get into. This approach is exactly as the name describes it. It It is relational. Some people's evangelistic abilities come from the natural ability to relate to people. Now, some of you are going, oh, my, I, I, oh, that would not work for me. I just don't like talking with people sometimes, and I just like listening and being there. But uh, this kind of person, though, loves being with others, loves talking with those, and like I said, has never met a stranger. It's a, it's a wonderful, way, wonderful way to share Christ. Um, my friend Greg Koskela, that's how he hooked me as well, too, um, before I was a Christian, he we were we were friends in junior high and then in high school, we got to know each other a little bit more. But, you know, I've, as I look back on this, I think he was kind of coming along with this saying, I'll, I'll just be friends with this. You know, I know him and I'd be better friends with him to get to know him better. I wasn't a Christian in high school at all. And so he was the one who befriended me. He was the one who came alongside me. Hey, let's go to lunch together. Hey, let's uh, go do this. Uh, Have you just thought of uh, coming over here and doing these? He would always invite me in a lot of different things to be involved in my life and to develop that friendship. And so I see how that can work when you develop a friendship with someone, you trust them. There's a, you know, Plenty of examples around us as well, too. Uh, some of you might do neighborhood block parties. I know there's some who've done that in, uh, in, our, in Happy Valley here and being able to block off a, an area, a cul-de-sac, or whatever it is, and have a time set up table. Good weather, of course. Set up tables and have an outside block party and all that. And a great opportunity to bring the neighborhood in together and just connect with them. Um, ways to be able to do that way. Um, if you've ever been to a Dutch Bros, you, you see it right before you all the time, the friendship going on. Those people inside of there are just, they, they love people. <laughs> they just want to talk, and they just want to get to know you. And uh, that's kind of a personality, a person that that is able to talk with those kinds of, you know, those, in those situations. So uh, anyway, when I think of our church, there's a couple people that come to mind of this. And uh, one person that comes to mind is uh, Stephanie Frentress. She's never met a stranger, I think. Uh, She's always able to talk with people, always able to converse with them, get to know them. Um, And I so appreciate that because uh, she's very personable, able to relate, able to talk with. So you can see how that kind of can work in developing a friendship. And another person, too, I think of is Lyra Chisholm. As she's one who just loves people, loves to be able to be around them. And hospitality is her thing and, and able to get into people's lives that way. And so I'm sure there are a lot of others as well, too. But those are just two that came to my mind that are examples within our church as well. But do you know someone who needs a friend? Do you know someone who needs a friend? And that's where you can start. Another style that we want to look at here today is the invitational style. Invitational—it's fairly familiar, uh, probably seen more often than not at churches. Come to the altar, inviting you know to pray. Um, in Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three, it's within the the parable of the great banquet. And in the process of this, uh, the master you know, opened up his banquet hall for all, of, all those who wanted to come, the big guests, important people to come, and uh, waited for them to come, and no one came. And he said, okay, fine. And he sent his servant out into the streets. He said, go out there, get everyone out there, and bring them on in because we've got a banquet here, and I want people to come in. Jesus was using this parable to explain the kingdom of God. And here, again, an example of the invitational style. In verse 23, then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. In John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, um, in relation to what this parable was talking about too, uh, or that verse in that parable, uh, we see a a, a sequence of events here. And this is a portion of scripture uh, looked at in Mike's Sunday School class just this morning, which I thought, okay, okay. I wonder how many people are going to be in here for <laughs> from Mike's Sunday school class, but uh, we looked at that portion of Scripture downstairs. I want to look at it here today a little bit too. In John chapter one, starting with verse 35, we see here a, a succession of invites that happen here. And just follow along as, as you look through this portion of Scripture, uh, a sequence of events, sequence of events, one person inviting another person to meet Jesus. You got John the Baptist. Uh, who pointed his disciples to Jesus as God's Lamb, uh, the Lamb of God coming, and that's verse 36. And then verse 41 uh, says that the first thing that Andrew did, who was one of the two uh, uh, disciples of of John, who heard John say, here comes Jesus, this is the Lamb of God, Andrew, one of those two, then the first thing he did was tell his brother uh, named Simon, who we know as Peter, Uh, to to tell him about this. Then the next day, Philip, who decided to follow Jesus, invited another person, Nathanael, to come and see Jesus. And Nathanael's response, as you probably recall, familiar portion of Scripture, can anything good come from Nazareth? Are you sure? Um, And Philip then, all he said was, well, just come and see. Come and see. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we just need to say, come and see, no matter what the response is. Come to to Happy Valley. Really? That church? Come and see. Come and see. And uh, sometimes we just need to do that. Just come. Don't let people's stereotypes about Christ cause them to miss His power and His love in our life. Invite them to come and see who Jesus really is. But imagine this though, if, if you know anything about Peter's uh, uh, role in the early church, just think about this, what if Andrew had never invited Peter to meet Jesus? <laughs> wow. A single invitation can change a life or many lives as well too. And then an, a, another portion of scripture in John chapter 4, the first 32 verses there, we see where uh, um, a woman at the well encounters Jesus. And you can turn there if you want, John chapter 4. Now, this woman is a person who goes to the well in the heat of the day so that no one else is around, because no one's going to go to that well when it's really, really hot. They usually come during the morning or later in the night so that the heat isn't so bad. So she's there during that time. While no one else is around because um, she is the topic of conversation around the well because of her lifestyle. And so she really didn't want to probably hear a lot of it and wanted to make sure she was there when no one else was. But in Jesus, she experiences uh, the love of God. Jesus is there. He speaks to her about, you know, uh, the well and... uh, are you going to give me a drink of water at all? And, and then he, he, you know, he speaks about, well, there's water I can give you that you wouldn't have to thirst for anymore, better than this well could, could give you. And what is this water, you know, as she asks him. But she experiences this love of God within Jesus and experiences being loved as she is, but being loved way too much to be left as she is. So Jesus was there. He loved her where she was at, but he he loved her more uh, to keep her where she was at. (laughs) He wanted her to see that the love of God can take her out of that situation. And out of the change in her life then, she bears witness to people in her village, both those who supported her, but those who were against her as well. And probably those who were against her were more than those who, who supported her. But uh, And that's in verses 28 and 29. And then in verse 39, a little bit beyond verse 32, of course, verse 39 tells us that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And then verse 41 and 42, it says, and because of his words, many more became believers because of Jesus' words. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So it all leads to a point where the woman finally invites, "Come!" and she did, come, come and see a person that has told me everything about me. And I don't know how he did. But could he be the Messiah? And so people came, and as they heard his words, and they believed as well, come and see, come and see. You know, in this example here, sometimes your reputation does not have to follow you <laughs> sometimes you can get beyond that to where people will go well i i, I know where you're at i i don't exactly believe that you've changed because yeah you've been in that lifestyle you've done those things or whatever but because you say this person has known you so much and can tell a whole bunch of things about you i'll come check that out so Sometimes people can get beyond the messenger to be able to get to the message. And that's what we hope will happen. We hope that people will be able to get to the person of Christ and not in the person who's bringing the message, the person who's who's fallible, um, doesn't make all the perfect choices and decisions. That should be good news for you as well. You don't have to be perfect. to invite someone to Jesus. And again, imagine if the woman decided to tell nobody. She was just going to keep it to herself. And maybe she could meet Jesus again at the well sometime and do that again. But nobody else needs to hear about it. If she didn't tell anybody about what went on there, think of all those people that would not have heard about the good news. And, of course, we need to be careful here as well That, uh, you know, invitational method and style is is probably maybe more comfortable for you in that way. Invite them to uh, an event or whatever else, and maybe someone else can take care of it. (laughs) Someone else can tell them about Jesus. But inviting them to events and not telling them about the gospel yourself is something you need to guard against. Because maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder, saying, no, you're the one. You're the one who needs to let them know about this because you invited them. They know you. You need to tell we need to be ready, willing, and available to be the messenger sometimes, not just the person who invites them. Don't, don't think it's just the pastor's job. I'll get them to church, and someone else can tell them, I guess. And you know, Be ready. God can use you in a lot of different ways as well. But an attitude of hospitality, a, an attitude of uh, uh, being relational and persuasive is very good in this type of approach. Is very similar to the relational approach that I spoke of, but it's characterized mainly by inviting people to church events, again, such as services or retreats or Bible studies or whatever it might be. It's definitely one of the most natural and easiest ways uh, anyone can reach out to other people. You know, come come along, come, check out the service, check out the Bible study, check out the, our, our event again. come work at the church, <laughs> whatever, I don't know, but to be able to bring them along and invite them to certain things. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's particularly helpful to, to those who feel that you, you don't have the right words. I'm not a good speaker. I, you know, I don't know everything about the theology or you know, all that. You don't have to. You can just invite them, and, and maybe God will use you in a lot of different ways in that situation. But uh, at least you're inviting them to the, to the spot. You know, we, we do this same approach naturally in other venues and other ways. Think about it, restaurants. You've eaten at a restaurant, and then you go, hey, have you ever eaten at, oh, you should go there. They got great food, great food, great service. And you let people, you invite them. Come along with me next time. It's good food. Now, this uh, time of year, the pumpkin patch. Oh, you know what? We just went out to pumpkin patch over and wherever it is. And you should go out there. They got great pumpkins. They got uh, great activities for the kids. Wonderful place. In fact, come along with me. We use this invitational method in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways. Bill Hybels, the author of Becoming a Contagious Christian says, there are many people who would take great strides in their spiritual journey if someone would go to the effort of strategically inviting them to a a church service or an outreach event in some way. So people would be ready to go if we just invite them. That's what usually happens, people are just waiting. To be invited, waiting to be asked. Again, Greg Cosculluela, my good friend, uh, from junior high on up till even the, today, he invited me to that youth group gathering at Valley View Evangelical Church many years ago, and uh, and the rest is history. But imagine, imagine if Greg decided not to invite me. <laughs> Someone else would be standing here, or you know, all the other people that that that. I, I, I've influenced, I guess, God has helped me influence um, in, in youth ministry and then here for 18 years, that wouldn't happen. But of course, God is good in this way, and He can also provide in other ways, but just think about that. And think about maybe the opportunities you have before you. Are you willing to be used by God as He prompts you and you invite someone to come along? I think of within our church body, a person that comes to mind with this, and uh, he, he's done this a number of times, but Don Haas, he, he, he's excited about this as far as, you know, this is my church. This is wonderful. This is great here. And he invites people. One person that I think of right now who's with us that has been invited is Marion and her husband invited to this church congregation because of one person saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> you should come along. Check this out. He's done that remember Jimmy, some of you were here before, and, and you remember Jimmy. He same thing. Come and join us. So people like that know how to invite and they're excited about it, and, and, and you know maybe there's someone you know that just needs to be invited. They just need to be asked to join you. Look for those people. Be on the lookout. It's a good place to start. And finally, I want to touch on the uh, last uh, type of style of evangelism is the service style. Service style. And service means uh, not in as church service or whatever, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, instructs us in how we can do this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So because of what you do, people then see Christ in you. And as you do those things, then they have more questions. Why do you do that? Why are you giving me a meal when I'm uh, going through a difficult, difficult time? Why would you even think of doing something like that? Why would you even think of coming over and mowing my lawn? Or why would you even think of coming and cleaning out my gutters? Because there's a need. And you see it and you want to fill it and you just, you know, that's all I want to do. And I want to, I, I want to. Show you Jesus that way. A great biblical example is found in Acts chapter nine, and uh, by the person of the name of Dorcas. Now you think of that name, you're going, "Ooh, I don't know if I'd want that name." But really, actually, Dorcas is also known as Tabitha, and she. Those those two names uh, mean gazelle, and I would think that uh, it's appropriate naming because. Tabitha, or Dorcas, was one who always liked to go around and and, and serve people, help people, be there for people in that way. And in fact, in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says she was always doing good and helping the poor. Always. So she looked for ways to be able to do that. And in that portion of scripture, in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, we see this example of the serving style of evangelism. Uh, people come to know the love of God because uh, Dorcas cared about their human condition. She cared so much. And in verse 39, you just look at, you could see that she did care because of the response of these people who are coming. Because if you look at the portion of scripture, um, she dies, Tabitha dies, Dorcas dies, and uh, and then so uh, Peter's called in to help. because, they go, hey, you you can do this. You can help out here. They bring him to. To Dorcas, and, and she's already prepared to be buried and everything else. She, he comes in, and then these 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 uh, the widows were standing around him, and they were crying, and they're showing him the robes and other clothing that uh, this wonderful lady did. And so you can see how much she touched people's lives in what she did in doing things for people. And uh, and so they're they're doing, and so he he gets them out of the room. And then she, he finally, then you know, wake up, you know, come come alive. And Peter does that, and she she begins to to uh, come alive and all of that. And so in Acts chapter nine, we see that portion of Scripture and how this comes about. But the main point in this is seeing how Dorcas served those people around her, and it's very evident by the widow's response and all this. Those kind of people leave an indelible mark on our lives. And maybe you've had someone in your life like that. They've gone on to heaven, and you miss them greatly because it was so wonderful to be with them. They always had something for you, not that you were there because you'd get something out of them, but you saw the love from them to you by what they did. We benefit from people like that who, who love to serve others, but we don't easily forget them. If you are a person who naturally notices the needs of others, then this might be the perfect way to share your faith. You meet a tangible need and then it opens up the door to maybe share a little bit more. A person who prefers this approach enjoys sharing the love of Christ through actions and deed over words. Um, They find this approach to be easy because it's the way God made them. They like to serve people. and. And actually, service evangelism is the heart of the Christian faith, getting out there, serving others. Most of us have been created by God with with gifts and talents in some way that call us to be kind to others and assist them in need. And when we do that, we do that in the name of God. And we help them see Jesus in us by being kind to them, by helping them in their time of need. And at the same time... Uh, this type of person knows that it's not by our good deeds, but by God's grace that we are truly saved. they, they can't show the deeds and, 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 all, and, 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 and then say, well, if you do a good thing too, you can get to heaven. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it's not by what we do, but it's by our faith and our trust in God's grace. But there is a caution here that we need to be aware of. That If you think, well, this would be something that would be kind of, I think this is good. I can do stuff. I can fix a car, I can change oil, I can do a gutters, I can babysit, I can knit a a blanket for somebody, all these different things. Yeah, that sounds great because I can do these these types of things. Be careful because you don't want your actions as a substitute for words. At some point, you're going to have to say something about Jesus at some point. In Romans chapter 10, Verses 13 and 14, you write this down, look it up later. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? you got to say something at some point, at some point. Nowhere in, in the Bible does anyone come to faith without words. In Acts chapter 8, even the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the scriptures needed Philip to explain to him what was what was there and then share the gospel in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8 you know Philip began with the, the very passages of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus but a person like this is others oriented others centered they're humble they're 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 patient they're caring because sometimes some jobs some deeds need a lot of patience <laughs> need a lot of patience well, we see this uh, service-style approach to evangelism in, in ministries like Samaritan's Purse, a national type of thing. They go out and they help and they meet needs of people in, in situations that, that are tragic. Uh, the Christmas Shoebox Project, that has been done before. That's another area that uh, corporately coming together and doing something like that. And uh, um, yeah, Dave and Carol Kokendorfer have benefited from that with the uh, ministries down there. So many examples also, too, within our church family, you know, providing meals for those people who are going through rough times. Um, our special needs committee that is there to, for the possibility of people having a, a situation go on in their life, and they, they need a little help. And, and so we have a committee there to, to try to meet those needs. An example of someone in our church, though, uh, that, that fits this, I mean, if you, if you provide meals, like doing that type of thing, if you like making blankets or whatever, you're that type of person. You like doing stuff like that to cheer someone up, doing something to help them see a little hope, a little glimmer of that. And uh, uh, Betty Berry, she's a person that comes to mind. She long gone on to heaven, but uh, I still have a blanket of hers <laughs> in my office. She would knit blankets, a crochet blanket, I don't know which one, uh, but she would make blankets. <laughs> and I have one of those in my office, and I think of her each time I I see that. But a a couple people are coming to mind within our congregation, and uh, it's funny because just mentioning their names probably caused them a little discomfort because they like like to be behind the scenes. They don't like to be up front, but Mark Miller, I'm sorry, I apologize right now, but I think a type of person that I think of is Mark Miller who likes to do stuff for people and, and meet needs, he likes to do it anonymously at times as well too, and I hope I'm not giving away anything. But there are people within our congregation that love doing that type of thing, meeting the need and stepping back and letting people experience that, and possibility of having an opportunity to see them um, see Jesus as well. Bobby, another person I think of as well, too, as far as just, you know, okay, I'll go and help, (laughs) and you seem to want to be able to help out whatever ways. I know life kind of gets a little busy sometimes, and sometimes you're not able to do that as much, but... A person that's willing to help out, whatever it is, is the need there. And, uh, but is there someone you know that has a tangible need that you can meet? Is there someone in your life right now you, can, you, you just know, yeah, you know, they've been going through some trouble right now. Or you think seasonally, a lot of leaves are coming down, gutters going to get uh, filled. Some people don't need to be up on ladders. Some people don't need to be on their roofs. Maybe you might be able to do that for them, help them out breaking uh, leaves or whatever it might be, helping them out in some way where they don't need to be out there or they can't physically because they're just, they can't. Opportunity to help serve, opportunity to meet a tangible need. It's another good place to start. So what's your style? What's your style, you think? Intellectual, maybe? You like to, you like to talk about the theolo- theology and, and do that. Maybe it's con- uh, confrontational or direct. You just get to the point. Come on. Jesus is here, you're here, you need to be, you know, with Jesus, come on, just, no. Or, or you testimonial, you love to share what God has been doing in your life and, and what he has done for you. Maybe it's a relational, you like friendships, you like getting with people, you like just rubbing shoulders with them and get to know them where they're at. Maybe it's invitational, maybe it's where you, you feel more comfortable bringing them to church or bringing them to an event that's going on that they can hear more about Jesus. Maybe it's service, a service style, where you just love doing things for people and letting them see Jesus in that. It's pretty obvious that God has given us the gifts and ability to serve Him in, in one or more of these evangelistic styles. We are called to identify them and use them, not, within, not only within here, of course, but outside, our community and see how that works. See how God is going to use you. If we will take the opportunity and use the gifts God has given us appropriately, we will see some great things happen. Now at the beginning of uh, last Sunday's message, I read, and also to at the beginning of this message, I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I also want to add 23 with that as well too. And I think this is uh, a scripture that can, be, that can be our goal as we consider these styles of evangelism. He says, again, I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may, I may share in its blessings. I become all things to all people, all things. Now, we've looked at these six styles of evangelism that seem to encompass the many ways of sharing Jesus with others. And, and I've mentioned that maybe one of these styles seems more appealing to you than the others, and that may, might be true. You feel more comfortable using one than the other. What I want to suggest to you, in light of Paul's testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 that I just read, that we be prepared to make use of all of these styles, because there might be an appointed time where someone might need to hear it directly, and God is saying, you're the one. <laughs> you need to do that. Now, we might drag our heels a little bit on that one, but we need to be ready, because people will receive the gospel in a lot of different ways. Different people, different ways. And we need to be ready to maybe use a certain style that would help. We should be ready to apply the style of evangelism needed for the person and situation who we share with. We should be ready to become all things to all people so that by all possible means we might save some. So if any particular style seems pretty nice to you, consider the others as well, too, and how you might be able to incorporate those in your opportunities of sharing the gospel. I'm going to invite Don to come on up. He's going to lead us in a couple of songs. As he does, let me share this uh, one last story for you. I think it kind of helps us get things in perspective. Dwight L. Moody, you can probably familiar with him, an American evangelist and pastor, known for his powerful preaching and evangelistic fervor. He preached in America and England and saw thousands of people come to faith in Christ. He became the pastor of the Chicago Avenue Church in Chicago and preached throughout the United States in the mid to late 1800s. And on one occasion, a woman challenged him, saying she didn't like his way of evangelism. As he talked to her, he asked how she shared Christ with others. And over the course of the conversation, she had to admit that she really didn't do it. And to that, Moody answered, well, I like my way better than yours. (laughs) Any way is better than nothing. We need to be ready to be used by God to share what God has done in our lives by whatever method possible. What is that? What is your way of telling others about Jesus if you are If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the the light of the world. Jesus says that you're not to, to hide out, but you are to let your light shine before others. So how are you intentionally doing this? What's your style? What are you incorporating in sharing your faith? Are you ready to use any style to be all things to all people so that you might win some? I trust the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and if He is, it's that you say yes all the time. And if God is working in your life in some way that uh, as we sing these songs together, that you just continue to have a, 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 an attitude of prayer about this, and if it's, you know, God help me be the one that, that, that you can use in people's lives, no matter what style, no matter what way, then that's your prayer. Maybe you Maybe you have a particular style that you're familiar with, but then you go, "Mm, I I might need to look at this other style because maybe there's some people in my life that might respond better this way. Give me discernment. Whatever the Holy Spirit might be talking to you about, I trust that you'll be obedient to what he has for you and that you, again, just uh, come before him, ready to be used by him.